0: Episode 171 of the Biz Women Rock Podcast. Yep, you're in the right place. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community, which kind of rocks. So go to bizwomenrock.com. I want to take just a second to give a huge shout out to one of the fabulous listeners and part of the Biz Women Rock community, Miss Jackie Bear. Jackie had the sweet, sweet, huge, kind heart to send me a Mother's Day gift uh, with a very beautiful homemade card and a gorgeous book. Uh, of like this wonderful bedtime story that I can read to my little girl. And I just almost started bawling, Jackie. It was so sweet of you. Thank you so much for being so thoughtful. I really appreciate it. You totally rock, girl. Dawn Morris is my guest on the show today. She has a company called Pixel the Business Systems. Uh, what Pixel does is really uh, build websites, hosting, digital all sorts of stuff. Um, and she's been doing this since 1998, I believe is what she told me. Yeah, it's right there in front of my face. Since 1998, it was actually a concept that her husband had come up with. He was a programmer. He had built it out a little bit. And then she uh, she uh, talked about coming on board with him. And so they've been running the company ever since. And uh, and this conversation really highlights Dawn's journey and um, her, it really encapsulates her as this crazy, outspoken. I'm going to tell you what I think type of a woman. How she navigated corporate a little bit, um, and ended up just doing a tremendous job within Pixeld. Uh, her background is really in finances and in money, and so we talk about um, what her money habits are with the company, uh, what reports she's pulling, what numbers that she sees, how often she sees them. And um, and then really go into uh, communication as a whole and how it really wraps into every element of business. So very interesting conversation with a very interesting entrepreneur. So let's get rolling. Don, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. My goodness. I think we officially talked beforehand for like 25 minutes. So for almost a half an hour, you and I have just been <laughs> shooting the shit here, just chatting it up
1: <laughs> about everything, totally.
0: which I love. So um, so I'm really excited for everyone else to be able to hear how fun you are. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show because there's a lot to learn in the experience that you've had. So before we talk about Pixeled and you know what experience you're having there, what kind of stuff what kind of business experience did you have before you jumped into the pixel business
1: we didn't even touch on that in our pre-conversation but um i will tell you i i I always tell a lot of uh people that talk to me i'm only 45 years old and i've lived a lot of lives in this body (laughs) um i have had the pleasure of being pretty much self-sufficient since I was about 13. I helped my father with a startup business. He used to uh, lay carpets in our old local neighborhood uh, in Philadelphia on the East Coast, and um, I helped him basically do his books. I told him, if you want to be a business, you got to run a legitimate business. So I always was involved You were, t- you with, were telling uh, your dad that at 13? <laughs> yeah, because I have to be... You know, I have a sign over my desk. It says, I'm not bossy. It's just my ideas are better than yours. <laughs> and it kind of explains a lot of, of how I am. I'm very... I don't have a filter. I'm very blunt. I'm very to the point. Um, and I've always been like that. Um, I, I say it's probably because I grew up in a family full of a ton of women. And the only men that were that were involved were the ones that were stupid enough to marry us not once but twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, um, you know, we had a really solid family. Um, we were very integrated with each other. We, we always helped each other out. And so when my dad started working on his own um, and running his side business, I said, you know, you could get big, let's do this and uh, I'll help you. So he trusted me. Um, I, I'm one of those really weird people who's really into numbers. Um, I well, I used to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband will probably argue that fact later on, but um you know it it came to a point where, as he was growing and as he was getting older, um you know, I started going to school more and started spending a lot more time with my friends and watching how they were living and i I realized that i didn't want to be a number cruncher, believe it or not. um I wanted to be a nurse um so all through school, I worked with Math, but on like a physics level, a chemistry level, um, and I wind up talking to my grandfather, who um, bless his soul, he's not with us any longer. But he, you know, he basically said to me, "You know what? I'm going back to school, and uh, I'd really like it if you went back to school with me. Let's take some night classes, and um, and then I'll pay for college for you for your night classes." I was like, "Okay, I'll wow. do it." Nice. Um, and so I wind up taking accounting classes with him and some um, leadership classes and some marketing classes, just general, you know, your average, how to run a business, how to function. And this is back in the 80s. So we're talking, you know, very stuffy professors, you know, with their tweed jackets. And, you know, they're always right. You can't question them. Right. And here they go. They got this crazy red-headed, freckle-faced girl in their room, and I'm questioning everything they do. Um, And I was just so matter-of-factly about things that I wind up deciding and telling everybody, you know, I want to be a nurse. This is what I want to do. And I got I I got a scholarship, wind up going through Temple University, and I double majored. Um, I double majored as an accountant in finance, and um, I also worked on my nursing degree, so a bachelor's in nursing. As I started going through there, I was getting really bored. I'm one of those, I swear I've got adult ADD. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think I've had it since I've been younger,
0: I think entrepreneurs I just, call that multi-passionate. There's, you know, yeah. you're, you're very multi-interested <laughs> in a lot of things.
1: Well, I, in my brain, in my 17-year-old brain at this point, I was not only going to, um, I was not only going to, you know, be a nurse. I was going to fix the healthcare system, the whole healthcare industry as a whole. Hospitals were. They had no idea what they were doing, so I was going to run them from a multi-level side. I was ready to take over the world. And um, while I was working in nursing, I realized I really had a infinity for infants. And um, and where I grew up, there was a lot of uh, addiction issues, and so I got real involved in critical care and neonatal care for infants. Um, and. I fast forward started getting into college, and I went to the University of Pennsylvania after Temple, and I said, I'm going to be a doctor now, so I kind of went through all these dreams, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to go, I did two years of pre-med, and here I am in my mid-20s, I've tested out of a lot of my classes, I've got scholarships, I had a really great score on my MCAT, and I, in my second year, had a professor who basically stood in front of us and said, if you are here because you love what you do and you care about the patient, raise your hand. And, you know, everybody, of course, raises their hand, and I was one of them, because I really, truly, in my heart of hearts did. He says, well, I would tell you right now, pack up your stuff, pack your hand, put your hands in your pockets and walk out of the room, because the reason you're here now is not because you care, it's because you want to make change and you want money and that jaded me like here i am like this 20-year-old girl like these mid-20-year-old girl and i've got somebody telling me i'm here for the wrong reasons and um it was a little bit of a wake up call i stayed in the nursing industry for a little while and got a couple of calls in the biotech industry people had heard my name um i was very good at what I did. Um, I was one of those people. I have very steady hands. Um, I was the crazy nurse with the blue hair and the combat boots. I was the <laughs> odd girl out. Um, and I got a introduction into um, a family friend who said, "You know, we need someone who has a lot of your characteristics. They're not afraid to say what's on their mind. They're They need to understand the medical industry, but it's in the pharmaceutical side of things, and we need help in our customer support end, and we need someone to come in and basically revamp our entire operation. We are not sure we are doing the right things by the, the client, and our internal operations are not working very well. Hmm. So, um, you know, I wind up getting involved with a biotech, a very large biotech on the East Coast, and I don't think they knew what to make of me when I walked in. Like I said, I, you know, my head shaved. I've, you know, I'm this crazy girl. I've got all these ideas, and I know I can rock at anything I do. And um, the, one of the board of directors said, how are you going to do anything? You're, one, you're a, a woman, and that was the first time I'd ever been called a woman, so it was, I was like, very excited about that. <laughs> he said, and two, you, you walk in here with blue hair. How are you going to change anything? And my response to him was very simple, and I think it won him over, um, because to this day, he's still a very good friend of mine. Um, I said to him very simply, I said, I may have blue hair, and I may be a woman, but I've also got a very big mouth. I'm not afraid to say anything that's on my mind, and I guarantee you, when I walk out of here, 10 to 15 years after I'm done, I will have brought you 10 to 15 years into the future, and you will have been prepared for it. And... He just looked at me, and he just they, nobody knew what to say. They hired me on the spot, wow. um, and I went in and further became known as the Dragon Lady. I went into biotech companies and pharmaceutical in, uh, institutions, and I revamped their accounting, customer service, and um, uh, you know m- middle management areas because I found that the biggest area of problems was the communication fall between the customer support or accounting teams, you know, your entry, your lower entry employees versus your middle management because middle management did not know how to communicate effectively to the people who were under them what the ideologies were of the higher-ups, the CEOs, the board of directors, the multitude of people who held large titles and those guys weren't going to come down to the customer service meetings and meet with the general managers of the floor. Um, And so a lot of dissemination of information got lost and so for me it was a matter of putting in accountability issues, making sure people were properly trained and if there was a problem, making sure that there was a chain of command that they could follow. That chain of command could then follow to the middle management who could then relate that information and communicate it effectively to the higher ups. It worked. Um, I wind up working for many years in that industry and um, it brought me out to the West Coast, from the East Coast to the West Coast, Uh, you know, I, you know, I boarded that train, came out here and it was a completely different industry in the biotech world. Where I was on the West, on the East Coast and now where I was on the West Coast, it was more innovation. They were more forward thinking and um, they weren't so antiquated in a lot of the things that they were doing. So things that I had already been putting in place on that East Coast side were already being put in place on the West Coast. And so um, I wind up realizing that I might not actually be needed here on the West Coast. And that's a real... Kind of, like, I, for the first time in my life, I was like, what do I do? Mm. I didn't keep up with my licensing for nursing. I got rid of my insurance and things like that. And I decided that, you know, maybe I'll just go back into accounting and I'll be a number cruncher. And I kind of just went through the biotech world for a year here, a year or two out here, actually. And, um, I just became like a cog in the machine. And, realized that I wasn't doing anybody any good. And then in walked David Morris. <laughs> it's dun, like a dun, movie. Dun. And then <laughs> exactly. <it starts. laughs> so, in walks this man. It's insane. And he has these ideas. And I just couldn't stop listening to him talk. It was amazing.
0: So he had started Pixeled as a company, um, or at least was in the phase of starting it while you were sort of, you know, kind of on the, the tail end of your career. Um, at, at what point did you decide to jump into the company? When was
1: that moment? Well, it was funny because, you know, I have a funny story. I wind up, how I met him is through a mutual friend, didn't even know it was him, um, He walked by me, and I tapped my girlfriend on the shoulder, and I said, that man's got some sexy legs. I think I might need to marry that man. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, a few days later, I wound up getting introduced to him, and it's the same guy that had given me some information that I needed in order to get my computer, my personal computer at home, up and running, because here I am. I'm building my own computer because I'm bored and I'm thinking, yeah, I can do this, why not? Um, And I put everything together and then I realized, oh, you need an operating system for (laughs) this. And that was how we kind of came into into conversation with each other because that was what he was doing. Um, I was 28 and he was 21 and he had just turned 21 and – I had lived a very large life at that point. Um, I already had two children. Um, I would be, I'm i in the middle of a divorce, um, and I hard to keep up with because my brain is going 1,000 miles per minute, and uh, I've got ideas. I've got these things in my head that need to come to fruition, and um, I just don't know how to get them out of my head. So we sat down and had coffee one night, and um, he says, I do programming, and I do design, and my goal is to bring people into the future, and he explained to me that the future was going to be computers, and that people were going to need to learn how to utilize computers, because everything they were going to do within the next 10 to 15 years was going to be on the internet. And I laughed at him, and then I thought about it, and I thought, that's genius, like, who thinks of that at 21 right. and can sit here with a straight face and say, I'm going to be the person that brings this into the future? And um, so he had just started his company, and I'm asking him a lot of questions about what he does. And he's like, you know well, I, I got involved with this company when I moved out here. He was from Chicago. Moved out here, you know the story. Moved out here for a girl. Didn't work out. Now here he is. What do you do? And um, he started. He started working for this company, this internet company, who was basically for colleges. It was basically Facebook before it was Facebook. Um, they built this couponing structure for uh, college students, where they could pick up pizzas and shoes and clothes for ten percent off. And he built the entire infrastructure in there. Well, the company wind up going out of business. And, um, a couple of clients that he had there said, you know, David, you're pretty brilliant. If you started your own company, we would go with you. Wow. And, um, you know, so there they were, here he was, he's got these four clients. They want him to do everything he said he could do, build him a website, put it on the internet, host it, all of these things. And, um, those four clients, here we are 18 years later, those four clients are still our clients.
0: Come on. How great is that?
1: Yeah, that's wow. like I lo- that to me that just represented a lot of how we went through 18 years of mountain climbing and dropping back down, bringing ourselves back down to reality, getting ahead of ourselves again and realizing, you know, well, that wasn't really such a great idea. Um and you know, we've made a lot of mistakes along the way and it's paved a lot of who and what we are and how we interact with our clients, but at the end of the day, he sat down and I said, you know, you've got a great talent. You have the ability to artistically create things and programming-wise, intellectually, make it viewable on something that most people haven't even embraced yet. And here I am. I can sell ice to an Eskimo and I can talk to anybody. Um, I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. And he, I said, if you put us together, we could be a pretty powerful couple of entrepreneurs. And he just looked at me and he went, okay, you know, shrugged the shoulders like, okay, I trust you. Let's do this. And that was where we started.
0: Wow. (laughs) So I have to ask, what did it look like in that, like the first year or two um, in actually creating a structure for yourselves, how you worked well, how you worked together, um, how you guys dealt with clients, what the flow was for your sales cycle? I mean, how did you guys start developing
1: all of that? Uh, spit, string, and tape. That was basically the first, I'm I'm not going to lie, I mean the first two to three years were like that. We made it up as we went along. It was the industry as a whole, I mean I could have told people that you had to stand on your head and spin around backwards and they would have been like, oh okay, then I've never heard of that, but let's do it, you know. And that would have been, you know, that would have been an interesting way to get people to get online but it wouldn't have worked. What I found was that my flaw in what I, how I had gone through my life at that point was I was a very good talker. I wasn't a very good listener. And, um, I sat with David and he would talk to me and he said to me, you know, every time I talk, you interrupt me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Like, how are you going to get anything done? I'm like, well, you need to listen. You need to hear me. And you need to hear everything that I say, because what I say is very important. (laughs) I'm a very important (laughs) person in my own brain. Um, and, I thought about it a little bit, and I said, you know, you're right, actually. I do talk a lot, and um, I never really know what my message is until it's all out, and then I have to feel like I have to backtrack to figure out exactly what I said and disseminate it. So I said, I either have ADD, or I just have a lot of ideas in my head, or I just don't know how to control that thought. And, um, you know, I wind up, (laughs) I went into a client. uh, I had cold called. Now, here I am picking up the phone, literally going through the phone book, looking for companies, and picking up the phone and saying, Hi, my name's Dawn. I'm calling from Pixeld. We are a click. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, I think for every 20, 30 calls that I got through, um, maybe one person talked to me, and it was hard. I'd never been, I'd never been that person. I'd never been the person hung up on. And so I realized I was approaching it wrong. And so after David told me I needed to listen more, I realized that... I was saying the wrong things. I was calling and saying, I was telling them exactly who I was, but I was never really saying, hi, I'm calling your company, so-and-so, because I'd like to talk to you about what you do. Right. And as soon as I changed the way that I perceived business at that point, every 20 calls, maybe one person hung up on me.
0: Wow. That's a huge and.
1: It was a huge shift, and I realized a lot of it had to do with tone. It had to do with the words that I was using, um, how I was addressing them, um, how I was getting through to people. And one of the things I was always very good at in the past was talking to the entry-level employee and talking to the board of directors as well. Right. My level of communication could go up and down as, as I needed to. I could feel I wanted to make them feel comfortable. So, you know, you have the gatekeepers when you're cold calling. You've got those receptionists and the assistants, and they never want to let you through. So it was more of a, hey, I know know you've got a job to do it. I want you to hear me out. Give me two minutes, and if you're not interested, just tell me you don't want to put me through. And that way they felt included. They felt like they were part of the decision process. And I just realized that being me was one thing, but understanding that I had to step back and listen and let them be them at the same time was going to help me get a lot further in business. And that's kind of where we really started. And it wasn't really until like 1999, almost 2000, where um, you know a lot of people started embracing a lot of the, oh my gosh, I need to be on, I need to be online. I need my business needs to be online. I need to have a personality. And then people were starting to call us. And then, you know, then you start talking about marketing and all these other things. And all of those layers to that cake start getting bigger and thicker and filled with more and more cream as more and more competition comes into the pool. And so always being knowledgeable about that was important.
0: I want to ask you this because this may not pertain to your industry today, but it definitely can pertain to a lot of the women listening who are trying to sell something and and provide value for somebody um, and, and their target market may not see value in it and they don't understand it. So how back then were you selling this? How were you presenting this when it was such a foreign concept to people that they were like, okay, not only do I not really understand all of these details, but I'm not exactly sure that you know, I get it. So um, how, how are you guys being successful at actually converting into clients to, you know, in an arena where people didn't even really quite get where it was going?
1: You know, there's. I I have a. I love Maya Angelou. I'm a huge fan of hers and um, her life and how she lived and um, I've read a lot. I've read a lot of her poetry and her stories and obviously her book. But one of the things that she said a long time ago, I thought was something that was very pertinent with to how I saw business and how I saw business business growth. Um, And it's if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude about it. And She said that a long time ago, and a lot of people didn't listen to her because, you know, not only was she an African-American, she was an African-American woman. So who's going to listen to that? Now people are like, oh, my goodness, she was speaking, you know, wonderful words of wisdom, and, you know, and it's a shame it took her passing for a lot of people to realize that, and that was something that I had read and put into play in that area of presenting that to the client. So point in case, um, you know, I had um, I had this is it's a funny story. I, I picked out a competitor online and at that time everything was on their website. All their clients. They had you know, this is when back in the day when client lists were on on there because it was all about who you know and how you know them. Right. And realistically what it became is a cold calling list for your competitors right, <laughs> and that's right. what I did I reached out to a couple of clients who were on a competitor side of ours and I said how are things going for your business with where you are right now well we don't get any calls we don't get any leads I said, well, why would you think you would get that? Your site's not set up for that. Your website isn't set up for that. Well, you know, the phone doesn't ring as often. And I said, so let me ask you, if you think about where you are now with your, with your current hosting company and your current web design company, how is it that what they've sold you on and you know that it's not working, how can you change it to make it better? And it's, you know, now you're asking a question and they have to think, well, I don't I don't know. <laughs> right, it, right. You know, it's that kind of you know. Well, there you go. If you don't like something and it's not working for you, change it. Hmm. And if it's, you can't change it, change your attitude. And there were times where it worked really well. They were, oh my gosh, I want to have you come in. I want to sit down with you and I want to talk to you. There were other times where they came out and they said, you know what, I. I'm fine. I'm okay with where I am. I really don't, you know, you have no idea how many times I heard, I just think the internet's a trend anyway, (laughs) and so uh, it'll be gone probably in about five or ten years, so I'm not really going to put a whole lot of money into it, and I was like, and then that was where my attitude shifted, and I said, I'll tell you what, I know you feel this way now, but maybe if I called you in about six months or seven months. Maybe something will have changed your mind or maybe I can present something to you that will allow you to see that this is not actually going to be a trend. This is something that in many years from now, this is where everybody is going to do business. And that perception kind of allowed people to go, oh, well, I never really thought about that. You know, Mm -hmm. if I went from this five years ago and now now I'm doing this... How is it not going to change? It's only going to keep modifying and getting better and better. Or, you know, if you're a parent, it gets worse because your kids are buried in <laughs> iPads all the time. But, um, you know, I, I think that from, from a business standpoint, from a sales standpoint, is – understanding the end user. You can have a list, you can have your sales force, and it can tell you all of the information that you've got about a client in there. It can tell you their name, their birth date. It can tell you what they do for a living, but you still don't know who that client is. And how many times a day do you want somebody to say, I really would love somebody to just ask me how I'm doing? Hmm. And that is really how I have always approached sales. I just don't want it to be that, well, that was a great conversation, thanks, I'm not interested, have a great day. And I don't want to be that cold caller that calls you and says, here's my information, and then hangs up. How, there's nothing memorable about it. But if I up and I say, hey, how was your day today? My day's fine. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a conversation going, and then it's introducing myself, and then I ask them about their business. I was noticing that you're a plumber, or I was noticing that you're an architect, and did you know, now where's the relevance? Well, did you know we just built a new library here in San Diego? It looks like a giant egg. You know, what are your (laughs) thoughts on that? You know, and those are things that I've always made it a point to do a little bit of research on each person that I'm talking to. I mean, I have to tell you, I'm I'm not in the game anymore of selling. But I tell everybody that, and then people are like, but you sell all the time, every time you talk. Right, right. And I think it's because I'm passionate. And that is, if anybody listening takes anything away from it, passion will drive and sell. If you're not passionate about it, people know. Yeah. If you're just regurgitating a speech, people know. But that man that I became partners with, he's now my husband, and we have a beautiful child together. And we do this every day, all day. And like I said earlier, we share an office together. I mean, I sit here, I I wake up next to him. I work next to him, I go home and go back to bed with him. It's just, it's one of those things that, to me, that passion that I had 18 years ago for what he did, I still carry. So when I talk to people, it's something that I'm able to convert to them for their business. And that's kind of what makes me different than most average people
0: (laughs) so um, I want to get into the nitty-gritty a little bit about kind of where how the internals of the company work for you Um, and Mm -hmm. because because the title that you have and I'm sure obviously that this is one minor part of what everything that you do but because one of the titles that you have is as CFO you have a numbers background What I would like to do is for you to give some insight on how you manage the financials of your company. What are some of the numbers that you're constantly looking at? What are some of the reports that you're constantly pulling? Um, And how do you use all of that information to really make strategic decisions about your business?
1: Well, you know, I mean, so... It's, there's a couple of questions within there money is always you know it's the root of all evil but honestly at the end of the day it gets me a beautiful handbag every once in a while and a great pair of shoes <laughs> that's my that's my driving force i gotta be honest and most of the women who probably out there would probably agree that they do love to match their handbag and their shoes i no longer have blue hair i'm back to my redhead status um but i do have fabulous shoes um and so <laughs> I need to, I need to be able to make sure that I can get those really pretty shoes when I see them. Um, so what I do with the company is actually I approach it like I would approach any business. This is my money. This is my husband's money. You could hire me for your business to come in and look at your, your numbers. I would treat that like my money. Um, I have a family. I want to be able to give them a legacy. I want to be able to give them something that they can work towards. I want to be able to take care of my employees. My employees rely on me. Um, you know, we <laughs> they come in here every day and, and I have to be able to pay them for the job that they do and so they rely on that and you know, they have families and so on and so forth. And so that's a lot of responsibility. And in that in that, you know, what's the old Spider Man with great responsibility? Um, with, with great power gosh, comes great responsibility. Great power comes yes. great responsibility, yes. And um, and it's kind of that same thing. You sit here and you look at screens all day with numbers and you start to go cross-eyed. But at the end of the day, I have to make sure that, one, it's profitable, and, two, I'm able to meet the expectations my clients have and what they're paying me for and also still be able to balance that that project in a budgetary way so that I can pay my employees, and then my husband can't complain about not having a paycheck. So that's really, it. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just to keep him quiet. <laughs> so but so, um, I rely, I rely heavily on a lot of reporting. I look at money every morning. When I sit down at the desk, the very first thing I do is I look at the bank account. Um, I open up the bank account and I look and I see what has cleared, what hasn't cleared, what my numbers are in the bank account for that day, what recurring funds do I have that's coming in? If there is a problem with any of the funds or anything that's come in, I address it immediately. It's the very first thing. I don't open Facebook. I don't open any of that other stuff. I open the money. Um, because that that's the lifeblood. Without the money and without the profit, even if it's small, um, you can't come to work the next day. You can't how are, you going to, how are you going to help your customers if all your ploy, employees walk out? and Or you're not able to pay your mortgage or your Internet bill or anything like that. Wherever it is you work, your rent, your car, some people work in their car. Those are things that are super important. So um, like I said, the first thing I do in the morning is, is I, look at, I look at the physical cash. Then I pull reports in my system, and I'm looking at customer tasks. And I'm looking at, um, I have a report here that I absolutely adore. My um, husband built this system for me, and it is view all invoices. I can look at every invoice that I um, have ever generated in the last one day, 20 days, six years, 10 years. I can go back as far as I want. I can also do a comparative report with that, which means everything that goes in here is attached to a project if it's attached to a project then i can look at that project and i can see even on the bottom of the invoice how much i paid how much i've paid out to third parties being my employees and payroll or anything like that i can look at the actual profit of a project immediately real time in my system and that is something that i do every day so i check my cash i check my invoices And then I go to my tasks, my projects and tasks. What are the things that I need to accomplish today that I didn't finish at the end of the day yesterday? Um, And those usually mean I have to answer to, my boss is David, that's my husband. (laughs) And so I, you know, we're a team, we're partners, we do this together, but this is his dream and this is something that, and it's a dream I support. So in order for me to be able to continue to support that, I have to give him the answers he requires. So he asks me every day. What do we have for payroll that has to go out? What do we have for incoming revenue? What do we have for, um, you know, credit card debt? What is our, you know, we look at these things on a daily basis. So I, we created a report that literally it exports to Excel. He can, I can, it can email. Bam, go straight out to him. He looks at it every morning. So, you know, there's, there's certain things that I do every day. Um, and those are important because if I don't know what my daily money is, if I let it go for a few days, and I, and I can. I mean, I'm in that position now where I don't have to look at it every day. But I feel like if I stop looking at it, then I'll let it become a habit, and then I'll just stop looking at it more and more. And I don't want to be that company that looks at my money and goes, oh, my gosh, everything's bounced that I just wrote. I wasn't right. on top of this. Right. And so that's kind of, you know, that's, that's my biggest thing is always know your cash always
0: <laughs> done where
1: I want to conclude by asking
0: you really where you want to take all of this. Like what's, what's really kind of the forward movement of pixeled and what you want to do with this entire, like, you know, like 2,500 clients that you have, this really great team of 15 people that you have. I mean, this whole dream that your husband had, where do you see that going?
1: <laughs> it's, um, I- wherever, you know, he's got an amazing imagination. Um, I think that it will go as long as he does not get tired or burned out. Or I think when the imagination goes away, is when this would end and I honestly you know we raised an, we've raised raised some imaginative kids that really work hard for us here as well and you know it's a family run organization our employees are equally as imaginative our employees come to us on a daily basis and say hey I was thinking about this last night I've got this great idea and we consider it you know we talk about it what can we do to make that a, a, come to fruition and so Communication. I started the conversation with how important communication was with what I did with my dad. And I think I'll end it with communication and saying that I communicate every day with my husband and our customers and our employees and potential customers. There's a transparency there in that communication. They know exactly what they're getting. Um, They know when they hire me, they're going to get me to push them as a passion pusher and my business as a passion I'm going to stand behind them like I'm an extended arm of them, and I'm going to communicate to them in a way where they are always going to want to stay with me. Um, And I think that when people stop communicating and they stop imagining the communication, that's when everything's going to fall apart because we can't go anywhere and we can't be with anybody or be in a situation where we can't communicate. And as much as I'm a technology-driven company, you know, I'm so anti-technology when it comes to communication. I like emails. That's great. Texting is fine. But I don't want to bury my face in that. I am still of the old school mentality where I want to pick up that phone and I want to hear your voice. Hey, let's have lunch. Let's, go have a drink, let's, let's get together, let me come down and buy your team lunch or why don't you guys come up here and you can meet our team. I really am a firm believer that when that goes away, um, a lot of businesses would suffer. And so I hope that if anything, what everybody takes from this is that communication is such a huge part of everything we do. And now we've just learned how to integrate technology with that communication, but we've got to make sure we don't stop that physical communication as well right. eyes mouth touch it's just such an amazing thing
0: all of that the technology just gives us a, a more a broader way to be able to do all of that stuff which I, I think is great so Don, exactly I, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing about your journey it was great oh thank you very much
1: again thank you for having me I like I said I could talk all day <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's so much here so much here uh, <laughs> Loved her priorities every day, as far as looking at her numbers, pulling the reports that really matter to the company, and just being super aware of where the company is at any given moment. The most successful entrepreneurs that I've ever spoken to use this as a priority. They they are always knowing their numbers, and uh, I just have so much respect for that, and think it really puts in mind, you know, the the forward movement of the company. So, really appreciated that. Had a lot of fun with Dawn. She's a great storyteller, and I hope you had fun too. So I will see you on the next episode of Biz Women Rock. Woo!